Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. Today's episode is a recording of our sermon from this past Sunday, Sunday, June the 6th. I am the preacher this week, and I deliver a sermon that's based on Mark chapter 3, verse 20 through 35. That passage is a doozy. There's a lot of stuff in there. If you want to know more about the passage itself and some of the nitty-gritty details, I encourage you to listen to the podcast I recorded last week. That was a Bible study on the entire thing. But here is the sermon for you to listen to as I talk about the importance of God's grace in our life and the challenge to understand that grace is extended to other people. Even outsiders have a right to God's grace simply because God is loving and forgiving. And so that's what we look at and wrestle with in this sermon today. I hope it's a little bit challenging for you, but I hope it also gives you a new way to look at uh, just the generosity of God and how amazing grace truly is. Let's get right to it. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing this with friends. Please continue to do so. We're excited about the audience we're building through these podcasts. But let's get to it now. A sermon from June 6th, preached by me, Pastor Nate. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. It's a really special hymn, isn't it? You've heard it before, right? (laughs) It's probably one of our collective favorite hymns. The melody is beautiful, and the lyrics are even more meaningful. To express grace is something amazing. To understand that God is working in our life in amazing and unearned ways. We love this song because it touches some deep part of our soul reminding us of how amazing the presence and blessings of God truly are in our life. That God scoops us up and picks us up when things are at their worst. This is why we call grace amazing. But here's the thing. As much as I love this song, and I'm sure you do too, I think sometimes those lyrics do us a slight disservice. Have you ever noticed that the amazing grace song that I just sung for you is all focused on the individual. Saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. That's part of why we love it, is because it's so personal. But I wonder if our understanding of grace isn't quite as full and complete as it needs to be, because we always are so focused on how it applies only to us. We love it when grace comes to us and picks us up when we're at our worst. But we're not really sure what to do when God extends grace to someone else. That's what is happening in this strange gospel reading that I just shared with you this morning. There's tons of details. In fact, there's really multiple stories kind of all smushed together in in these verses from Mark's gospel. But really what's underlying all of it 
is a difficulty in understanding God's grace. Let me break down some of the details for you. You need to know what is happening before these verses to truly understand what's going on. You see, in the first three chapters of Mark's gospel, primarily what Jesus has been doing is healing people, casting out demons, caring for the outcast and the lowly. There's loads of stories that Mark packs into chapter one, two, and three about Jesus being in the upper regions of Galilee, healing and casting out demons. And he's doing all this, I mentioned, in the upper regions of Galilee, and that's an important point. Because the upper regions of Galilee is code for where the outsiders are. In those days, at those times, the upper regions of Galilee is often where the non-Jewish people lived, those who were not a part of the dominant culture in that time in that area. And so our gospel text picks up today, and it says that Jesus came home. Jesus' home at that time was likely in the lower regions of Galilee, the more Jewish section of town, if you will. And so Jesus comes home, and we learn that his notoriety has spread. Crowds are gathering to see this man who is casting out demons and curing the blind and the sick. And so the crowds are pressing in on him, and they're all excited to see this person they've heard so much about. But do you know who's not too thrilled? Jesus' family. In verse 21, it says that Jesus' family believes that Jesus has lost his mind. He has gone out of his mind. He was in the upper regions of Galilee, casting out demons. That's not the way we do things in our family, you can almost hear them saying. They say in the text that his family actually came to restrain him. They're so concerned with what's been going on that they want to take Jesus away, to put him somewhere where he can't get to the upper regions of Galilee anymore. <laughs> but it's not just Jesus' family who have concerns about this man either. The authorities also disapprove of what they've been hearing. In verse 22, it says that the scribes from Jerusalem have come down to check in on this Jesus character. Now what you need to remember is Jerusalem was the center of the religious world. And so there were probably scribes in many of the different towns, but the scribes from Jerusalem were the authority. And so these scribes, these religious elites from Jerusalem have come down from their ivory tower to accuse Jesus because they too are concerned about what they've been hearing. In fact, the text tells us, they think Jesus is possessed by the devil. Jesus quickly dispatches with these accusations that his family and the religious elites are making against him. He points out, if an agent of Satan is somehow casting out Satan, then that doesn't make any sense. He points out the logical fallacy of it all. And what's really comical, what's really funny, is if you look at some of the stories that precede this one, when Jesus is actually casting out the demons. Because what often happens in those stories is the demons talk to Jesus and they say, son of God, what do you have to do with me? See, the demons even understand who Jesus is and what he's doing. But Jesus' family and the religious elites, they just can't understand what's going on here. They heard about the lost being found. 
They heard about the blind seeing. They had heard about wretches being saved. And the religious elites in Jesus' family didn't think that was very amazing. In fact, they thought that Jesus had lost his mind and was in league with the devil. We can laugh and chuckle about the absurdity of this entire story, but I think this gospel passage needs to be a mirror for us today, myself included. How often have we totally missed out on the movements of the Holy Spirit simply because we didn't like the idea of grace being given to someone else. That's what's going on in this gospel passage. That's what's going on with Jesus' family and the scribes. They didn't like that Jesus was doing this work in upper Galilee. He was showing compassion to outsiders, and that just didn't compute with them. When grace is for us, it's amazing, and we write songs about it. But when grace is for someone else, we're often not as excited. I want to tell you a story. I worked as the director of admissions at the Lutheran Theological Seminary in Philadelphia for a time during my professional career. And while I was there as the director of admissions, the institution made the decision to offer full tuition scholarships to every student that was accepted there. And so this was a really big deal at that time. It was the first time that a Lutheran seminary was choosing to make this type of financial commitment to its students. And the administration came and talked to me. Since I was the director of admissions, they said, Nate, we're going to announce this on Wednesday at noon, and you should probably be ready to receive a lot of phone calls because we really think this is going to generate a lot of interest. And sure enough, they were right. I got tons of phone calls that day and in the weeks ahead, and we had the largest student body in years because of that financial decision they made. But I'll never forget, I'll never forget the very first phone call I received that day. As I said, the announcement about this free tuition, this full tuition scholarship, it went live at noon. And seven minutes later, the phone rang. And it was a phone call from an alum of the Lutheran Seminary in Philadelphia. And he wasn't calling to say how excited he was for the next group of students who were coming through. He was calling to express his displeasure and to ask if the institution was also going to pay off all of his student loans that he had incurred 10 years prior when he attended that institution and they didn't have the full tuition scholarships. He wasn't focused on what good news this was for the new students who would be coming in. He was focused on how he had missed out on this gracious opportunity, simply because he had gone to school 10 years earlier. I tell you this story because I think it illustrates how we often miss the point with grace. When it's applied to us, we love it, but when grace is extended to someone else, it can be a lot harder to understand. Even this seminary graduate who I spoke with, this pastor, couldn't see or understand the good news that this was for so many future students and clergy. He just couldn't understand good news applied to someone else. That's just the thing about grace, though. Grace is amazing, but it also can be really difficult. When God picks you up in your darkest moments or sends you just the right blessing at just the right time, it can make you weak in your knees over the enormity of it all. 
But at the same time, when we see someone else get bailed out, it can be pretty easy to get resentful, can't it? In our society, we like to reward hard work. We love the story of the self-made individual, the people who pull themselves up by their bootstraps and earn their success, and that's all well and good for certain areas of life, but I'm here today to tell you that's just not how God works. Grace is God's undeserved love and forgiveness. It's unearned, freely given, and that's what makes it amazing. And when we learn to see that it's still amazing, even when that love and forgiveness is extended to someone else, well, that's when the church really gets to work. Jesus' family couldn't understand this. They were too concerned about how Jesus' actions in Upper Galilee were going to make them look. And the scribes from Jerusalem couldn't understand this. They were too focused on the correct religious way to go about things. But maybe there's some hope today. Hope today for sinners like you and me. People who don't get it just right, and yet God forgives us anyways. Maybe we can learn to see a little more clearly what the Holy Spirit is up to in our world today. The Spirit that was at work in Jesus' ministry in Galilee, it's calling us today so that we won't get lost trying to litigate God's forgiveness and acceptance. The Spirit is calling us to find, to find a way to bring more of Jesus' compassion into this world. And the Spirit is calling us today to see, to see Jesus' mission to outcasts and outsiders as our mission in this world, in this time and place. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Amen.